0: All right. Well, great job, guys. And that was excellent. And you both stuck to your time and actually ended early. I was shocked. Uh, Very proud of you. And I feel like those are very relevant words. And now I want to share with you what I feel like the Lord is showing me about this next season. Okay. Uh, First, we have to understand that everybody is building something. Everybody's building something. The question is, who's building and what are you building? Who's building and what are you building? Let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4. Every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is who? That's right. And you can follow along on the screen if you would like. Um, every house is built by someone. The question is, is, what are you building, who's building, and why are you building? All right? We know that everything ultimately is built by God. There's nothing that exists that didn't ultimately come from him, even if it's being used for evil, So even the evil things that are plaguing people's lives, at the end of the day, ultimately God created everything, but how it gets used and the things that man has done to twist and contort things is the problem. So what I wanna do is I wanna make sure that as we go into this next year, that you're building right and for the right reasons and the right purposes. Verse five, Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a what? Moses was a servant and he was found faithful because he served his home. Moms, do you ever feel like all you ever do is live to serve your kids and your home and clean and cook and whatever it is, especially if you have another job? And it can seem like, man, all I'm living to do is serve. Men can feel that way too. We have animals and kids and other responsibilities and We need to work together as a team, and so at the end of the day, it can often feel like all you're living to do is serve. But you have to remember that Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. We have a responsibility to serve, and one of the things I want to really challenge you going into this next year is serve your home. But it can't stop there, because ultimately, Jesus is building a bigger house. So we serve in our house at home, and we serve in his house here. You got to find somewhere to serve and give your time and your talent somewhere. Whether it's here or somewhere else. We all lay down our lives, not just for our own family, but for God's family worldwide. So Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. So when Moses was building the nation of Israel Ultimately, he was pointing to something bigger and greater. That bigger and greater thing was Jesus. Everything Moses was building was a foreshadowing of what was to come. So for me, when I build and serve in my house, what am I building for? It's not us for and no more. Our life could have been a lot easier and would to this day be a lot easier if we opened up five more coffee shops. I'd probably pull in about 500000 a year if I had five more coffee shops. We started traveling up and down the Gulf Coast, you know, and just did all the Gulf Coast cities. Focused on coffee shops, lived a nice beach town life, went to sunsets, enjoyed our coffee, and just lived an easy life. But we would be miserable. Because God has called us to build something bigger, not live our lives unto ourselves, or not even just make money and just give it away. God has called us to lay our lives down for a family. And it's not just our own family. Many people stop at their own family. But God has a family all over the world. That family now is God's priority. So is our, in, our immediate family. But Amber and I can't just focus on ourselves. And I'm not, we're not doing this for title. We're not doing this for money because I can assure you we don't make near enough money. And we're not doing it for notoriety, position, status, or fame. We're doing it because we love people and we love you. We care about the people that are hurting and broken. We're in the broken people business. Are there broken people around our lives? Yes. We also do it because we're fighting for our nation. We're fighting for cities. It's biblically commanded. Even God said that he would rescue the nations and the nations would know his name. And so we're fighting for our country and we're going to need to fight even harder for our nation. I'm not fighting for a political affiliation. I'm fighting for a nation. And I'm fighting for God's biblical standards to be known in this city and in our nation. That's why you have a mandate to be involved. And sometimes it may cost you your life, like John the Baptist, when he called out Herod for having an affair. Literally, Herod cut his head off. But biblically, we are commanded to be influencers, not be influenced. Come on, come on, yeah. No matter what goes on with the world around us, we are heads, not tails. We're not a subculture. We're the standard. And so you guys should know that I'm actively involved. I'm on the ethics commission. I'm on the Flower Bluff Citizens Council. And I made it a point when the mayors were, were running off to get to know them. We had a we had two hours of a conversation with Paulette Guajardo. I had seven pastors that are diehard Republicans sitting down with Paulette Guajardo, and we asked her tons of hard questions. And at the end of the day, God showed me that she was going to be mayor, and so I stood for her. And now if something were to get sideways or she would have go a different direction than a biblical standard, guess whose voice is going to be heard? Mine because we're called to influence people to make godly decisions. When the bathroom bill was being introduced by the uh, CCISD where uh, boys that identified as girls could now go into a a girl's locker room, I'm not okay with that. So we wrote a letter, we went to the school board meeting and we made it uh, specifically clear where we stood and guess what, the bill was killed. So when decisions are being made governmentally that affect us in a negative way or especially when it comes to protecting life. As Christians, we fight for life. And that was my favorite thing about Paulette is she's a huge supporter of the Crisis Pregnancy Resource Center and a huge supporter for life. She's pro-life. I love that. And she's pro-police. And I realized that there's a lot of dysfunction with a lot of law enforcement agents, but it's not all broken. And we need healthy law enforcement agents, but that doesn't mean you nix them or defund them. And so I was very thankful for her stance and her position on that. And so I took a stand for her. I pray in Jesus' name I didn't make a mistake. Or that she doesn't go sideways. But guess what? I built relational equity so that I could stand with her, pray with her, love her. She reaches out to me for guidance and advice and prayer. Right? And that's the case with all politicians. So you say, pastors shouldn't be involved in politics. I completely disagree. Because it affects all of our lives. Now you guys know I'm not an overly political pastor. In fact, since the election, you've heard me hardly say anything. But I'm gonna say something right now. Our nation is under attack. I'm proud to be an American, I'm a patriot, I love our country, and I want to stand for its founding roots. I think it's one of the, if not the greatest nation in the world. But if we get prideful and arrogant and divided, our nation will fall. And God wants to rescue and save this nation. So you better believe I'm going to make my voice heard. I'm not going to be, and a lot of people don't like that. But I'm going to tell you right now, you start putting politicians in that don't fight for the sanctity of life, don't believe that the church is a viable kingdom force to be reckoned with that should be the standard on earth. You get somebody who starts minimizing the church, what you're going to have happen is the same thing that's happened already in California, where you're told you can't meet and you cannot sing, which is insane, so I know pastors right now in California, like for example, Rob McCoy in Thousand Oaks, who was a city council member, resigned his position. He's got a very large church and is being fi- fined thousands of dollars every time they meet. He's got like $100,000 worth of fines and he doesn't care. And you know what? More outpouring of love and support's coming to him because he's standing firm in the midst of persecution. And I understand that can be divisive. And I understand people say, well, all in the name of COVID. I'm gonna tell you something. The church has to assemble because we need each other. We need relationships. You need to hear the clear. It's not the same just online. But at the same time, I'm okay. Many of our church members are still watching online. And if you, like I said, I don't ever make, want anybody to feel bad for watching online, wearing a mask or social distancing. Ever. But for this house, we've got to meet and take a stand Because I do believe our religious liberty is at stake. I know many people don't think it is, but I'm telling you that it is. When governors are shutting down the church and saying you can't sing, I'm not okay with that. But thank God we live in Texas and you're not in California. I don't want to diss all my California pastors and friends, but I just want to say we love Texas, y'all. We love Texas. But don't think that it can't come here. And when you start taking a stand for biblical standards, you're going to be deemed as being hateful and intolerant and discriminatory. And that was my issue and what I talked about with social media. It's not about marketing and businesses and social media will welcome your marketing and your business all day long. But start talking about biblical standards and truths. Censorship is already starting to happen. But God will always make another way, right? Right? I still use Facebook and Instagram. I think it can be used for good. I recognize that people that don't believe the way that I believe are running it, and they're going to become more intolerant, and censorship's going to happen. But you know what? God will always have another way. And if you don't like your information being shared and owned and having no voice and no rights when it comes to your stance uh, religiously, then you don't have to use it. And many people are already canceling their subscriptions and going to other platforms. And I'm great with that too. But what I wanna tell you is all of us on a daily basis are being lied to. The problem is, is we don't know what's a lie and what's not a lie. And the lines are being blurred. But the media, you've gotta be extremely careful with how much media you consume. Please, don't let your primary source of information come from the media. You'll become apathetic, you'll become angry, you'll become mad, you'll see things in a wrong light. Well, It'll pit us against each other right i saw a recent post on social media from a christian magazine that was talking about how over 300,000 people died from covid and you know here we are at the end of the year telling people man it's been a tough year and remember the time with the toilet paper and how hard it was and i get it they're saying man you're talking about your toilet paper when people lost loved ones they're right in that sense but at the same time i'm not going to be up here and giving you constant negative news We're here to preach the gospel, and the gospel is this understanding that Jesus brings hope and life in the midst of really bad news, okay? Yes, it's been hard. Yes, we grieve. Yes, we stand with people that are hurting, but we have got to make our voice heard when it comes to preaching the gospel, and so more persecution's coming, mark my words, but it's not doom and gloom. In fact, I'm more excited. Here's why. Let's keep reading. Moses was faithful in his house as a servant for a testimony to those who, which would be spoken afterwards. So we're putting legacy into motion by imparting to our kids the great things to come, not doom and gloom. And the great things to come is that Jesus is coming back, the church is alive, he's alive, and we have a good, good father that wants to bring healing and hope to all of our lives. But Christ was a son over his own house, whose house we are if what? We hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So we're God's house if, notice there's an if. If what? We hold fast to the end. And I don't mean just barely making it by the skin of your teeth. God doesn't want you to just make it, barely make it to the end. What does he want you to do? He wants you to hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of your hope and stand firm to the end. Now, what is rejoicing? Rejoicing isn't just I'm so happy because many times I don't feel happy. Many times when I bomb it or I blow it or I make mistakes, it's hard to rejoice in a natural sense. But that's not what this is talking about. What this is talking about is you can rejoice in who God is and boast and glory in what he's done, not what you have or haven't done. Remember, rejoicing is trusting in God in no matter what situation or circumstance you're in. So I rejoice in the hope and the promise of who God is, not what I'm going through. Good. Let me ask you a question. Can you vomit and sin in a terrible way and still rejoice? Yes. Yes. yes, you know why? Because I've taught you that when you sin and you fail, you run to him, not from him. How many people have sinned and cried out to God for repentance immediately, and God forgave them, all of us. So I'm rejoicing in who God is in any situation. Can you rejoice when you're sick? Because you're not rejoicing for being sick, you're rejoicing in who he is. And that is the opposite of unbelief. And what you're gonna read here is that unbelief is the number one thing that keeps you back from God's promise. Doubt, lack of faith, Lack of belief, that's what'll kill you the fastest. In fact, it'll leave you dead in the desert. And I don't want anybody dead in the desert. I want you full of life and power and joy and freedom and health. Not living for yourself, making your own music, making your own song. No, we're making God's song and God's sound in everything that we do. So we must remain courageous and and have bold confidence in the midst of great persecution because there's gonna be lots of opportunities for disappointment. But if your eyes are on the world, you're going to be disappointed. But if your eyes are on Jesus, you'll have hope, encouragement, strength, life, and you'll rejoice. The scripture goes on to talk about hearing God's voice today and not hardening your hearts as when the, when the Israelites were rebellious in the desert coming out of Egypt. Scripture goes on to say not to go astray in your heart, especially when you're in the wilderness and to not test God. Now let's look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. We have to beware. To beware means to pay attention, take close heed, and keep your eyes wide open. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice and not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Everything points back to the heart and to belief. Everything. Can you sin and still believe? Should you sin? No, but just because you sin, you may not necessarily believe in that moment like per se, but if you're convicted, you believe. If you're asking for forgiveness, If you feel bad, God's working in your life. And the devil always comes to bring shame and make you feel like you're a failure because you screwed up. And it's like, I sinned and now I feel like, man, God's given up on me and I'm a failure. No, pick yourself up, run to the Lord, run to the cross, ask for forgiveness. And I don't care if you gotta do it over and over and over again. At some point, you'll get tired of eating from the pig trough. And at some point, you're gonna say, I just can't do it anymore. But more than that, God's love's gonna override you. Because you keep running back to Him. God's love never fails you. It's His perfect love that's always caring, always giving, and always desiring you. Everything points back to your heart and belief, but you must beware. This means we constantly search our hearts to ensure unbelief is not hiding on the inside. Unbelief is the number one thing that will keep you back from rest and the promises of God. What does it mean to depart from God? It means that I go astray. It means that I'm led astray. It means that I literally become unresponsive to God's word. And when you have unbelief, you're unresponsive, you depart and you'll be led astray. And I don't want any of you to be led astray. I don't want your hearts to grow cold. I don't want you to get apathetic. Never come to a place when you come to church like, man, been there, done that. Don't become dull of hearing. I don't care how many times I've preached Hebrews 3 and 4. I've preached it a lot. But you got to know what God's saying, but not just hear his voice. You have to be obedient to what he's telling you to do. So I want you to notice, let's go back to verse 13. Because you're going to have every opportunity to depart, because unbelief is knocking on your door, because we battle loneliness and deception and lies, Depression, anxiety, anger, all those things come against us. Mental illness, fear, worry, doubt, addictions. All those things are gonna come against every one of us. You know that, right? I battle the same thing you battle. I fight the same thing you fight. You say, well, you don't battle a mental addiction or mental uh, sickness. Oh yeah, I do. Depression, worry, wanting to quit, fear, lies, confusion. They all knock on my, I battle it. I just don't let it take root. You understand that we fight together, but you don't let it take root. Amen. And if you do let it take root, I got a spiritual chainsaw in my hands to cut it out of your life. Amen. And I'm not the only one. That's why you have to understand this part of the scripture. So because all those things are battling you, what do you need? We need each other. And we need people to exhort and encur- I'm a high encourager. My wife was not raised in a high encouragement home. But she needs encouragement just as much as I do. And we have to learn how to encourage each other. Why? Encouragement is so important because people are battling major hurts and pains and sickness and disease and darkness and lies every day. That's why you need a family. That's why we need each other. Let me tell you something. I highly recommend that all of you get at least three to six months worth of food. I highly recommend you do that. Not out of fear. I'm not going crazy end time prepper guy, but I am end time prepper spiritually. We already saw what could have happened in 2020 when there was a rush on food and toilet paper. Okay. I'm just saying to you, you should, you should have some food saved up so that you don't ever get into a panic situation. Come on. And there's lots of great sites out there. There's tons of them awesome ones from shakes and organic foods and that food lasts a long time. I'm not saying go crazy and no, I'm not building a, a, a bunker out on our property. Some of you are like, build a bunker, build a bunker. I'm like, but what I am telling you is like, look, it's smart to save. It's smart to don't go run all your cash out of the bank, but have a good amount of money of cash on hand, right? So that in case you couldn't get to the bank. And I highly recommend you figure out a way to have some water, backup water, and have some backup food just in case something were to happen and there was a rush and all the world was freaked out because they live in paranoia and fear, not you. Don't live in paranoia and fear, but have something saved up. Because I do believe that things, slowly over the course of time, are going to wax worse. But for us in the kingdom, what does it say? It says to rejoice yeah. to the end. Not ho-hum, doom, and gloom to the end. I'm not a push-the-button nuclear war now guy. I'm not. A, I'm also not an end-time rapture, hurry up, Jesus, and come back. I'm longing for him. I'm longing for you know, the, the harms on children and human trafficking and prostitution and pornography and pedophiles. I want it to stop. Right. Yeah. Don't you? Yes. That's why we fight while we're on earth, but that's why we long for Jesus to come back. Right. But until he comes back, we stay in hope and we rejoice, but we also realize the world is different than the kingdom. Right? right? Yeah. The world is different than the kingdom. Now, here's my point in saying all that. If you are a part of this church, this is why all of you should be a part of a local church. And I hope you find one that's flamed on, spirit-filled, full of life, radical worship, and real family and community. That's what I want for you. And they're hard to find. I'm gonna tell you right now, they're hard to find. We're not the only one, but they're hard to find. But if a church is doing the right thing and hard times hit, guess what? You will never be without food. Because you know what? I'll have some extra toilet paper. I'll have some extra canned goods. I'll have extra chicken eggs. I, they all can only go so far. But guess what? If we all band together, our resources become one. And now the church becomes a vibrant force. And it doesn't matter whether we meet in the building or not, because it's more than the building. Amen. This, I, could, I love the shopping center. Thank you, Lord, for the shopping center. My hope's not in the shopping center. We own it, but my hope's not in it. If things go wrong, go awry, let me tell you, every day I have flocks of duck, sandhill cranes, and dove, and I live minutes to the water where I can fish. I will shoot some animals for you. But don't come to my property thinking you're going to shoot my animals or we'll have a problem, all right? I'm just telling you right now, listen, I'm not going to be a silent, sissy pastor. I'm going to affect change. And I'm going to fight for life. Yeah, stick together with me and I'll stick together with you. And then the people around you, we become a family. Right. And we start networking, connecting. Hey, we have somebody that needs this. And you know what? If, if you're not on social media, God's got another way. Amen. If the phone lines go down, God's got another way. Get to know your neighbors. Find out where people are. Stay connected. Amen. All right. There was that. We need encouragement. He says, look, hard times are coming. That's why while it's called today, encourage one another. I need encouragement more than ever before. Just ask my wife. I need lots of encouragement. But so does she. So do you. And so do you. How often should we be encouraging each other? The Bible says while it's called today. That's good. So every day... We need to encourage one another. Why? If you stop encouraging me or I stop encouraging you, loneliness, depression, anxiety, the lies take root, fear, addiction, staying in your addiction, they all take root. So God's answer to helping you not go to that place is gonna be lots of encouragement. I'm gonna tell you right now, going into next year, we're gonna need a lot of encouragement. Look at verse 14, we have become partakers of Christ. There's an if again, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. So God wants you to be confident and steadfast. It means you're unwavering to the end. Don't let doubt and disbelief come in or you'll wind up being just like the Israelites were in the desert and only two people had the faith and only those that were 20 and under made it in. The only two people out of millions of people, Joshua and Caleb, were the only ones that trusted God that they could take the promised land. I want hundreds, if not thousands, of Joshuas and Calebs in this house. Be a Joshua and Caleb. And understand that hearts get hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. But the root is always us allowing unbelief and doubt to take root and in turn We go our own way. Hebrews 3, 16 through 19. The same people who were delivered from bondage and brought out of Egypt by Moses were the ones who heard and still rebelled. Can you still hear God's voice and rebel? They grieved God for 40 years by sitting in their unbelief until what? They dropped dead in the desert. I don't want anybody dropping dead in the desert to come. I don't want to do your funeral. I will, but I don't want to. I want you guys to be bold and confident. I'm not saying, you know, you're going to die. I'm just saying to you, like, look, unbelief leads to hardness of heart and causes you to run to drugs and alcohol, question everything, there's no absolute truth, and you find yourself bitter and angry. And I'm just saying to you, this is a warning. The scripture says, beware. The times that are coming in front of us are going to be... Uh, hard, dark, and full of persecution. And it may not be in six months or a year, four years, five years. I don't know when it's going to be. But I think we have to prepare our hearts. Hebrews 4, verse 1. I'm sorry, let's finish this. Verse 18, so God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest all because they disobeyed him. It's clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. So for me, what I do, here's what I do. I'm not just preaching at you, I'm speaking to me too. I I look at my heart and I put my hands here and I open them up and I say, Lord, I want to unwrap my heart if I have any unbelief. If there's any unbelief, I don't want to have it. I want to have absolute trust and confidence in you, who you are, what you're doing, and I want my eyes to be fully on you. And I'll leave you with this. Hebrews 4 verse 1, now God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. We have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, they heard what they heard didn't affect them deeply because why? For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise. Let's say that. Faith activates the promise. Faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of God's confident rest. What's the opposite of unbelief? Confident faith. So hold on to your confident faith. Don't get sidetracked by what's going on in the world around you. Rejoice always to the end. You know what the opposite of rejoicing is? It's complaining. Complaining. You have to repent of complaining. You have to repent of seeing things in a negative light instead of seeing things the way that God sees them. Faith, confident faith is the opposite of unbelief. The fastest way for us to die in the wilderness is unbelief. We didn't enter in because of unbelief. Not so much because of sin, though sin will lead to hard heart. What I want to tell you is if you sin or you're making mistakes or you're falling short, pick yourself up, run to the cross, dust yourself off and keep believing. Okay? You'll get it. I I believe in you. I have faith in you. God was so patient with me for so long. I was a mess mess. And in a lot of ways, I'm still a mess. But God in his love and his kindness never gives up on you. So don't give up on him. So this morning, if you have doubt and unbelief, I'm going to pray for you. If you're questioning everything, I'm going to pray for you. Just trust the Lord. God is good. He's faithful. Have lordship in your life. Lordship means I'm trusting God in every area of my life, with my marriage when it gets hard, with my kids when it gets hard, with my finances, my job, my business, my future, this church. And no matter what's coming down the line, this is going to be a resilient church. Because we're a resilient bride. That's who we are. Now let's pray. Just receive this prayer as I pray for you. Lord, thank you for the words that Pastor Jeremy and Marlene gave, that our eyes are on you and we can sit with you and hear you, know you and love you. We get vision and insight and divine revelation for what you're saying and doing. We spend time in your word. Lord, I ask that everybody here would make it a priority to listen to your word and obey, to know what you're saying, to read your Bible that you've given us, to know not just how to live, but to know who you are. Lord, I pray against doubt and unbelief and discouragement and frustration. I speak forgiveness and healing over all of you. And if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus and you're not born again, that you would say, Lord, I want to know you intimately and fully for who you really are. Not a form of religion, but a true relationship. God, I thank you that just like the Israelites wandered in the wilderness, headed to a promised land, that Lord, you are taking us to your promised land. And I thank you, God, that you're preparing us and using us to rescue those who don't know you. I pray against unbelief and doubt, and I pray for confident faith in all of your hearts that you'd repent of your sin, ask for forgiveness, pick yourself up, wash it off, and run full speed to the cross get into the word and get into relationship with people around you. Lord, I ask that this would be an encouraging church, that there'd be lots of words of encouragement and unity and comfort and strength with one another. And I thank you, Lord, for everybody that's come to hear your word. And I pray, Lord, that as we go today, we would honor you, love you, seek you, worship you, and spend time with you all the days of our life. I pray comfort and health and unity to your marriages, those that are fighting and in discord. I come against the lies of the enemy, the spirit of self-preservation and fear, and I pray that we'd lay our lives down and serve our home just as Moses served his house. I pray that we'd point our children and our live our lives with a hopeful expectation of the future. I love you, Jesus, and I thank you for what's coming with this conference and what's coming in 2021, that even if it seems hard, Lord, the church is alive and bright and the light of the world. Go and be the light of the world and rejoice in the greatness of who God is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you all so much. Remember, no service.